everybody. Welcome to the Stock Car Spectacle. I'm Ian Georgeson. I'm Mike Gamble. And I'm Nick Kinzel. And today we got a very special guest with us, Brandon Brown. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, what's up, guys? First Great. time I've actually virtually, I've virtually talked to you. I've met you a couple times before. <laughs> Great to have yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. No problem. No problem. I, I know I talked to you guys about it uh, a while, like a while ago, but uh, it's good to get on and just just talk some NASCAR. Absolutely. Oh, definitely, man. All right, so we're going to be reviewing the Daytona Road Course. It was a crazy weekend with the ARCA Series, Xfinity Truck, and Cup Series. So before we dig into all of that, how about we ask a couple questions right here for our guests. So, Nick, I want you to start us off here. All right, so for those who don't know, um, me, I do have a little bit of a pass with Mr. Brandon Brown here. I won a... I won a t-shirt contest about five years ago, and then it's when Chicago Land Speedway started following me, and it was this guy right here. <laughs> yeah, man, that those man, those were the good old days. I, I never, I never, I slept with my hand on my phone, and <laughs> was like, you would, you would tweet at us at like three in the morning and be like, I got you, bro. We're here. <laughs> Why am I not surprised you were tweeting yeah. Chicago Land Speedway at three in the morning, Nick? <laughs> It's either always, that or Trevor Bain. Yeah, <laughs> always hit him with the Trevor Bain gifts, and you yeah. back. And then yeah, uh, like two years ago, I finally just DM'd the Chicagoland Speedway Twitter account. I was like, I'm at the track. I've gone back and forth with you for months now, so but I need to meet this guy. And so <laughs> we all met each other, and I just happened to be wearing a, a profanity shirt about West Virginia, and he called that out, and I was like, oh, I uh-huh. like this already. I like this guy already, so that's kind of it. And then we kind of just been going back and forth for for a while now. It's sad when Brandon left Chicagoland, we miss him dearly. So I guess the first question we have for you is, how'd you get into NASCAR, man? Okay, so all right, so rewind back to about 1992. Um, my granddad uh, started watching NASCAR around that year, and he was an Allen Quickie fan. So obviously Alan passed away in 1993 and right along with that, uh, that time is where I started watching NASCAR with my granddad every weekend. I remember the, the first race that I remember vividly watching is the 1993 Winston 500 at Talladega, the famous race that Rusty Wallace flipped over, over and over and over again at the, at the finish line. So I started watching NASCAR with him that year, and it soon became just this huge passion to where I could never miss a race. I would always watch, no matter what race it was, on Sunday, on Saturday night, and uh, I just became emotionally invested in the sport and emotionally invested in Rusty Wallace's career. I was probably the biggest Rusty Wallace fan you would ever, ever come across and I would literally have to go outside during races where he was supposed to do well, like Bristol and Martinsville, and nearly hyperventilate because I was so excited about that race. <laughs> it was it was sad. My mom will my mom will tell you she was afraid for my life whenever I, I did that. So it just <laughs> kind of it kind of manifested from there, and I, I continued following the sport all the way up through Rusty's retirement. And then I became a Marcus Ambrose fan, loved Marcus Ambrose at the road courses and stuff like that, Mike. He was great. (laughs) 
He loved and that then, Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, he loved this some Vegemite, and uh, it just so happened that uh, that I I really wanted to be a, a NASCAR broadcaster, so I went to journalism school. Um, and uh, and got a job as a sports writer and wanted to make my way in NASCAR journalism and uh, and I was working in in sports publishing when this NASCAR job came open at Chicagoland Speedway and jumped at the chance to go and work at a NASCAR track which I never thought could ever be happened so I went in for the interview and got the job within three days and it was great awesome <laughs> that's incredible well, hey, man, we got a whole list of questions here, and you actually just answered sure. the first three right there, so that was pretty cool. See, we just I'm led good, you man. perfect. I'm yeah, good. look at that. I can so, elaborate on anything if you want. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, we love it. We love it. So, uh, you know, obviously Nick and I met you uh, in your role at Chicagoland Speedway. We know you're Richmond now doing some stuff. Yep. Um, what's been your favorite track to work at so far out of the two? Oh, geez. Um, so I'm not going to pick a favorite because I cannot pick a favorite. But I will say that, that Richmond, um, when I got the opportunity to move from Chicago to Richmond, it was something that I, I couldn't pass up. It was a perfect career opportunity. But Richmond Raceway, formerly Richmond International Raceway, was the first race that I ever went to when I was a kid. The 1995 Miller Genuine Draft 400, September 9th. I will never forget it. That was my first NASCAR race in person. And my hero, Rusty Wallace, won that night. It is still my favorite day on this earth. Nothing, like literally nothing has topped it. But oh, the, yeah, the, nothing the, can beat the, that. The feeling that I got sitting in the stands with my grandparents there. And then after the race, of course, I'm nine years old. And my granddad looks down at me and he goes, Rusty won that race for, for you. You know that, right? And, of course, a nine-year-old <laughs> believes that. Oh, yeah. So I've always had an affinity for Richmond and I, I went to races uh, all through like high school growing up there. So um, Richmond is the place that has that special place in my heart uh, since I was a little kid. But uh, again, Chicago gave me my start in the sport. So I will have a diplomatic answer for that. Well, hey, how about this? Let's attack it this way, because I think you can answer this and not have to pick a favorite. Okay. Obviously, we're up here in Chicagoland, which isn't exactly the heart of NASCAR country. Sure. And then Richmond is. So how different is it on race weekend, the atmosphere is between Chicagoland and Richmond? Man, it's, uh, I would say it's, uh, it's kind of similar in the fact that uh, um, I haven't been just a fan at either one for so very long. So I don't really get to experience what really the fan atmosphere is like. I'm running, uh, you guys have seen me, I am running right. around like just, just, Hi guys. Bye guys. All right. I got I got So uh, <laughs> I really haven't been able to experience the fan uh, fan aspect of it too much. I will say that Richmond's atmosphere is way more intimate than Chicagoland because R Chicagoland is on, on this big wide plot of land with fields all around it. Um, and Richmond is not. Richmond is is has stuff just compacted in, and it's a short track. So so when you're walking around, you just feel like you're in in a more intimate space than you are at Chicagoland. Absolutely, and I bet the weather in uh, Richmond a whole lot cooler than it is <laughs> Chicagoland. Thinking back the last couple summers at Chicagoland, ten feel real feel. That's it's just crazy out there, man. I, I remember a, few, a couple of years ago, the, the Xfinity Series race that Kyle Larson won that day. 
it, yeah. the real feel, and I'll never forget this. We were walking to the dirt track, which they had the dirt race at mm -hmm. right after that race. And across the PA, they go, and in Joliet today, it was the hottest place in Illinois at 114 degrees, real feel. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, that seems about right. I will tell you, besides football practice in August in high school, that was the hottest I've ever been in my entire life. So Richmond's dates were are very much more um, uh, uh, fan friendly, if you will, in terms of the the temperatures outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that weekend, that exact same day you're talking about. We actually were lucky enough to meet Trevor Bain again for the 12 millionth time. He saw his little twin brother, uh, Trevor Bain, aka Nick Hinzel. So he came over and just nonchalant. We're like, Trev, what's it like out there, man? I know it's pretty high. He's like, oh, man, you guys know, no big deal. It's only like 140 in the car. We're all like, what? Yep. And it was, I remember the, the one thing that stands out to me about that day, and I, I didn't see it at the time. I went back and watched the broadcast. But they had the, the temperature cam in Justin Allgaier's car. And it was like 156 on his temperature cam. And they said that his cooling in his helmet failed. So all it was doing was blowing hot air into an already 156-degree oh. suit. Of course. Oh, <laughs> I remember hearing that. It's like, how did you – how do you finish the race in that? What a warrior, man. How that do you amazing. live after that? <laughs> uh, he's – because he's, he's – this little gator, man, he's a badass. Yes, he, he really is. is. So – and there's a little lesson for all those people out there saying NASCAR drivers aren't athletes. Put up with that one. Absolutely. I think it was a DiBenedetto a couple of years ago lost like 12 pounds in a race. Like yeah. just oh, yeah. pure body, like, like fluids and stuff. I mean, like the, the conditions that these guys, guys and girls go through on a, on a um, race by race basis, like they have to be in, in peak physical condition to, to do their best. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, they're athletes for sure. The endurance alone for, for what they have to go through, and not just a race. Well, now obviously a little different with the coronavirus, but then you think that just the fatigue over a full race weekend. Oh yeah, it's it's insane. I can't uh, I can't even imagine. I, I know I got my i racing rig sitting here behind me right now. There you go. And I if I do a full you know two hour or so race. I've got a fan blowing on me and I'm wearing gym shorts and a cutoff t-shirt and I'm like pouring sweat after that. Like it's gross. And I can just imagine like racing four hours and 150 degrees in the car. It's insane. Oh, well, yeah, I remember uh, the first time I, Ian has an iRacing rig. The first time yep. I hopped that thing, I did 10 laps at like Talladega practice and my arms were dead. And I was just like, how in the world mm -hmm. do these do that for what 188 laps around there yep. uh -uh. oh yeah and 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 you and you gotta think too talladega in terms of physical stress is one of the easier tracks because you're like this and you're like this and, and, you're, like this, yep. and you're like this oh yeah well these guys can attest to it i probably i raced at dover for like a week straight just like every day <laughs> And I probably turned like ten thousand laps in one week, and my arms just felt like jello. I couldn't race for like a week and a half just because it hurt my arms every time I went back on it. Well, what you yeah. had that eight-hour day, right? Where you were? <laughs> oh yeah, I started at like ten in the morning, and I went on to like three thirty in the morning. Yeah, he had That's... Popeye's forearms. He was ripping phone books in half, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fine I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that that my arms weren't so bad i 
I, I am really bad because I drive top hand. I am, I'm driving like this, and I know I should be driving pulling with my left hand. I'll do so much better, but my brain does just not want to do it. But the thing that, that killed me the most when I first started iRacing was my hip flexors. Right down here, like the top, like on my right leg, brake, gas, brake, gas, on, off, on, off. And like my hip, mm-hmm. I woke up with like a Charlie horse in my hip like yep. the, the day after doing uh, like an eight-hour iRacing session oh. or something. I was like, I got to get in better shape. Yeah, hey, you know it's bad when you're doing plyometric workouts to make your eye racing sessions better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like, what are you doing, man? Topic. I got to jump these cones real fast. I got Richmond coming up in a couple weekends, boys. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the topic, tell us a little bit about uh, Richmond Raceway Esports. Okay. So, um, a little background on Richmond Raceway Esports uh, for people who might not know. Um, it was an, initi- an initiative in the marketing department at Richmond Raceway started a year, a year or so before I even got there, uh, originally called the Chaos Crew. And basically they had this vision of using iRacing and the what's now the Coca-Cola iRacing series as a marketing tool, putting Richmond Raceway branding and other things on their cars to get Richmond Raceway in front of an audience who might not normally ever see it. You know, they might watch the you know sim racing and have no, you know, um, interest in watching the real racing. And now that it's blown up, we, uh, when I got to Richmond Raceway, it's an initiative that we took over. We rebranded it uh, as Richmond Raceway Esports. And with the how we structured it, like or how iRacing structured it, you get two drivers in the Coca-Cola iRacing series, which is the premier series. And we've got two of the best in the world, defending champ Zach Novak and uh, Jimmy Mullis, who is this close to making the playoffs and is the recent winner at, uh, at New Hampshire. So right. it's still a mar- marketing initiative at Richmond to, to get eyeballs in, in front of a brand new audience. And I think like we, we are considered one of the, the best teams and the best, uh, the best at what we do. And, and, it's really freaking cool to be able to get on there and people recognize the Richmond Raceway brand uh, and talk about Richmond Raceway esports and and get our name all over the place in places that we don't normally see it. Right. Yeah. That's that's super cool because it looks like you guys are like the only track who's doing something like this. And then for you guys to just get been <laughs> really fun. I tune in on those Tuesday nights to to <laughs> baseball esports and I'm like, oh boy, yep, Brandon's about to go crazy. <laughs> oh i i get i get so like like worked up and mad and happy and it's like you're watching like you're 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 literally watching your favorite nascar driver race in a real race when jimmy and zach are racing um when jimmy was leading at new hampshire as they were going through restart after restart at the end I felt the same feeling I felt when Rusty Wallace was leading at the end of a race when I was a little kid because you're rooting so hard for this this driver to to do this thing and it was really cool to see him pull off that victory. So I am a I am a fan just like you guys are fans and and you really really get it really get into it. Absolutely. I just oh, think yeah. it's funny when you guys when somebody takes your guys out just the the shady tweets you throw at them, I love. It. Yeah, it's like uh, I think there was one guy I can't remember his full name, but it's like it's like I Michael L. Brooks. That's probably not his name, but Michael L. And he had an L and as his middle name, L. Brooks took out Jimmy, and I go, yeah, L. Emphasis on L. Blah, 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 like just try to be. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh yeah, just trying to so throw some shade, just having fun with it. Yeah, hey, that's what Twitter was for. Twitter was invented yeah. for the pettiness. We all know. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and people are way more petty than others sometimes. But uh, we have we have a great time. Like I've developed a relationship with Parker Kligerman of all people on there. Like we'll message back and forth, and we'll have fun with their team. And 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 Parker, like, talk about somebody who you know, has transformed himself from like, you know, he was, you know, he's still, he's still a great driver. He finished top 10 in the, at the Daytona road course, but oh, yeah. part-time driver now an advocate for esports and a pit reporter who is doing these great, great things for NASCAR across the board. So you've got people who are doing that and it's all because of esports getting that, getting that uh, um, message out there. Exactly. Expanding it to a bigger audience. And I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, Parker's, and, Parker's a good dude, too. He's hilarious. Oh, yeah, I've met him uh, <laughs> quite a few times, and he's always a great guy uh, in the garage area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's a great platform that we've got, and we've got a couple of development, quote-unquote, development drivers. They're two of the best, literally the best sim racers in the world um, who aren't in the Coke series, and uh, um, we signed on Raja Karuth, who races late models in, in yep. real life and yep. is one of the best followers on social media. If you don't yep. follow him, he's amazing. Um, and we have Garrett Maines, who is one of the fastest and most talented drivers on iRacing in stock cars and in pretty much everything. So um, really great talent and, and you know just trying to expand their brands and expand our brands. We do a lot of things like track tutorials and and uh and walkthroughs and a bunch of different stuff that you know just tries to entertain and inform people oh yeah and you know it, it seems like you know you do a, hot, a lot of hard work you know working for richmond raceway but you know what seems to be like your favorite social media kind of like interactions and all that with you know working with the tracks oh man so um i'm trying to you guys we'll go with you <laughs> all right now, now we're talking <laughs> Hey, we'll but, take but, the low-hanging fruit. We're not too but, proud over here. But I will say it's it's kind of a microcosm of of that because I I was grew up such a big NASCAR fan and has such an affinity for the sport and loved it so much over you know all these years and that that was kind of what I wanted to bring to the table when I became the voice of Chicago and Speedway was I want to convey this love of the sport to these people in a way that's going to entertain and inform them and hopefully get them out to the track and get them to support the track in that way. So that's what I always tried to do. So, so, uh, you know, um, we did the, uh, the, if you remember Landon Castle doing the retweet contest, um, oh, yeah. the crazy retweet contest, we, uh, we got Landon to be, to come out when the gates opened and greeted all the fans that were coming in for like 15 minutes um because we got like i forget it was like ten thousand retweets or whatever it was um and and that made an impact like that made an impact on social media that got chicagoland in front of x amount of people it made nascar.com it made nbc sports like just because i was it was like 5 30 on like a thursday or something that he did that and just because I had my finger on the button, I beat all the other tracks to the punch and got Chicagoland in front of everybody. So it's like it's just it was just interactions like that. But you know, sharing sharing the love of the sport with the fans who also love the sport is definitely the best part. Oh yeah, I mean, you got to be creative and have fun like stuff like that, man. Yeah. Oh, for you know, sure. That, 
that specifically hits home with us because that's kind of why we decided to to do what we're doing now too. We we kind of do the podcast under the moniker being you know uh, just NASCAR fans wanting to uh, talk NASCAR with uh, more NASCAR fans and. It's been really fun. You know, we've gotten to have a lot of really fun interactions and made a bunch of friends. We have a little group chat of a bunch of different guys we met through the sport and everything already. So, yeah, it's it's really entertaining to see how uh, something like this can kind of blow up. And obviously, you know, having to do it on a little bigger scale than we get to as well. So, hey, but but I mean, that's like if you're on social media and you're on Twitter, like everybody's on an equal footing though you you get to say the same things you get to express your opinion and enough and if, if enough people like your opinion or if enough people want to engage with your opinion that's how you grow so so that's you just got to keep doing what you're doing all right absolutely all right well thank you man that that's got to do it for our questions here so let's dig into our diecast of the week what do you have? What do you got for us today, Brandon? Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. So, as as I told you guys before, I grew up a huge Rusty Wallace fan, um, and this diecast is a very big representation of that. This right here is the 1998 Bud Shootout winning car, one twenty fourth scale. That my first week at Chicagoland. Rusty Wallace came to do an appearance and I got him to sign it. So Rusty oh. Wallace ran this car one time and one time only at the 1998 Bud Shootout. He snookered Jeff Gordon on a late race restart. Jeff Gordon broke his transmission and Kenny Wallace pushed Rusty Wallace to the win in this car. He ran this paint scheme only once and I got him to sign this uh, at Chicago like my first week on the job. So that like I got this like I won this on an eBay auction um, I was late to work to make sure that I won this on an eBay auction like years <laughs> beforehand. Um, and it's just, it's just my favorite because like he only ran this once and it's his only Daytona win and I got him to sign it. That's, That's the man. most incredible story ever. <laughs> Guys, let's just pack in the segment. Yeah. Nobody's going to okay. beat that. Yeah, we're take, done. A, take a look at it. The, oh, the that, Miller Time is... Machine Adventures of Rusty Car. Like if you look, go back and look at the 1998 miller like commercials that rusty wallace did like he like ran over a beaver and bring like a brought like a knight home with him and stuff like that they're, they're just reckless commercials and it uh this is really just my favorite die cast oh dude that's a nice. beautiful die cast and yeah uh old nascar commercials were supreme back in the day Oh, yeah. NASCAR culture and all that with the late 90s, early 2000s. Some of those commercials, the merchandise and all that, still, in my opinion, unrivaled. It is. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's when NASCAR rose to um, the prominence that it saw through the mid-2000s, right before the the, the economy took a crap. Um, but, yeah, like, that was that was the golden era. I wish I was, like, born 10 years beforehand and I could have just, like, worked through that era of NASCAR and I would have just made a ton of money. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> it would have been great. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, hey, that's listen. A sweet I knew yeah. you were coming on today, and I already knew you were a rusty guy. So uh -oh. I brought out my one and only Rusty Wallace diecast, the, the traditional, you know, Miller yeah. Light Blue. Gotta love look, it. Look at the shine on that thing, too. Oh, yeah. Let so me see the, there's a little bit more of a story of to this, too, though. Yeah, so go ahead. The story is I more or less accidentally stole this car from Nick's dad. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Let's so, hear that. Yeah, Ian, I don't even know if you know this story. I so, have not heard this one. I started collecting die cast probably about three and a half years ago or so. And um, I started, you know, Nick and I were Trevor Bain guys. I started with a couple Trevor Bain cars. Then I bought a couple junior cars. And I just wanted to start fleshing out my collection. It was right around the time that Nick's dad, Jim, moved into his new house. And he just stashed a bunch of his cars away in Nick's bedroom and more or less <laughs> forgot about them. And then, like, we're hanging out in his bedroom one day, and uh, Nick's like, hey, man, I got a bunch of die casts. Why don't you just take one home for your collection? I was like, oh, all right, cool. He goes, which one do you want? I saw the rusty car, and I saw kind of the color chrome finish. I was like, that one right there. Because I I liked Rusty a little bit growing up, too. He wasn't my favorite, but it was a guy I had a lot of respect for. So I'm like, yeah, I want that rusty car. So I get it. Fast forward about six months later, uh, my girlfriend and I are moving into our apartment. Uh, Jim comes over. Um, He looks at my case. He's like, where did you get that rusty car from? I was like, well, it's actually <laughs> technically yours. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, that's your housewarming present, okay? <laughs> that was that was perfect. You didn't get in trouble, and he didn't. He also didn't have to get you anything else. You're like, here you go. You can keep it. Win win. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you picked the that rusty that rusty car because that uh, well, that looked like a what a ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I would say um, that's probably about the year it's from. I yeah. obviously didn't get with the box or anything. It was loose, so I didn't get the specs yeah. on it. Let but... me see the front of it real quick. I can tell you what year it is. Yep, that's a 99 because they changed the Miller design on the top. Um, in, I think, 98, he had, they had the, uh, the gray uh, triangle on the front of it. And in okay. 99, they switched it. But in 2000, they did had different headlights. So that's got to be a 99. Man. <laughs> He knows his rusty schemes, boys. Oh, Look at that. You have no idea, brother. <laughs> well, all right. Well, since I knew Brandon was also coming on the show today, I and he he was my Chicagoland Speedway boy. I thought I would bring back out the diecast from from uh, Trevor Bain's first race that I ever saw at Chicagoland Speedway back in 2012. So that would be the 2012 uh, Good Sam Camping World Car. So. This was my first race ever at Chicagoland Speedway. And there is kind of a story behind this day for me, too, because my dad, he bought, like, these pit passes, but I don't think they they were what we thought they were going to be because we got off a little infield bus and everything. And then we just, we were with a group of people, so we just marched our asses right into the garage. We we just thought (laughs) that our passes got us into the garage and everything. So we're just kind of walking around. Yep, security's not saying everything saying anything so mm-hmm. then i of course the first thing i do is i go to trevor bain's holler seeing like a uh, 12 year old nick's like he's gonna be here he's gonna be waiting here for me but <laughs> but i actually got to meet some of the wood brothers though so that was a, that was cool and this was the year that uh glenn was going into the hall of fame so and they gave me a little uh they gave me a little like token of his hall of fame uh inductee so that was pretty cool and then i got a picture in front in front of this car and I actually please have, tell me you have that available so we could see it right now. That's an all-time favorite. Uh, he's got it. Didn't Jim make that picture into a credit card? He did. No <laughs> surprise there. Proud dad that he is. There it is too. Oh, look at him. Oh, that's so cute. And then in 2018, which was Trevor's last, uh, Trevor's last season in the Cup Series, and so I, of course, I brought this with for him to sign, and I told him the story about it. And he just thought it was so cool because, you know, Trevor Bain was a small-time driver. He didn't have 
like a huge fan base. So he just like really appreciated and respected it. But yeah, also here is my my dad's old credit card of that picture. <laughs> and he had Trevor sign it. And Trevor was just like, Should I really be signing your credit card right now? And it was just a cool moment. But yeah, that was my first race at Chicagoland. And yeah, I've been going ever since. Sad we couldn't go back this year, but always brings back a a lot of good memories bringing this car out. That's awesome. I, I love that. I love that story. I had forgotten, actually, that he drove that at Chicago. I remember him driving it at Talladega because he was so fast at Talladega in that car, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Him at a super speedway was dangerous, man. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right. So this was not my original diecast of the week, but since we're talking rusty, I had to bring out my one and only Rusty Wallace diecast. It's his 2005. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is Rusty's last call that it says on the box there. So I got it autographed too. Uh, just a beautiful painting. I love the Dodge Chargers back in uh, 05 in the Cup Series. They were they were just so mean looking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you gotta love the blue deuce. Oh yeah. That paint scheme on a Dodge worked so freaking well. It was gorgeous. I, I remember when they, they switched to that for Rusty's last season. Um, I was obviously pulling for him so hard, but I remember mm. it looked especially good at the super speedways, like they're just the, how sucked down it was. It was just it was perfect. I love that car. I am glad you pulled that out. Hell yeah. And that is just paint scheme example number 12 million as to why it's sad. Miller's kind of, you know, getting out and downsizing. They have had yep. such beautiful race cars for years and years and years and years and years. To yep. see them leave is such a travesty. Yeah, it really sucks because, oh, man, Brad Keselowski's 2012 Miller Lite Dodge. Oh, my goodness. He won that race at Chicagoland, by the way. That was the first race of the, of the chase that year. Mm -hmm. I saw that thing, and I was like, I knew Trevor wasn't running full time, so I was like, I saw Keselowski's car, and I was like, that is beautiful. I am going to root for this guy while Trevor doesn't race. So I actually have a Brad Keselowski championship shirt hanging around here somewhere. It's about four sizes too small on me now, though. So <laughs> That's okay. On. About 30 cases. <laughs> of Diet Coke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. In like a week, don't you get to like actually admit to all that stuff in your past? It's like grandfathered in at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because that was my original diet cast of the week was going to be Chris Busher's Natterday car. Because I was going to say, oh, seven days from now, I get to try these things for real. <laughs> well, you just did. So there you go. Yeah. That's a, that's okay. You you do realize where I went to school, right? So. Oh yes, I've heard of burning couches over there. Yep, it's a my my freshman year. We ended up going to the Elite Eight, beating Texas Tech in basketball, and uh, I've never been so like culture shocked because that was your first year in college. Went out on to Grand Avenue, which is the which is the huge huge party street. And you look around and there's like dumpsters on fire and stuff. And my mom called at that point and I was like, mom, everything's on fire. I love you. Bye. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great way to end the call. He's <laughs> like, be safe. Oh, man. oh my God. Choices, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so disappointed that I was supposed to 
COVID had other plans. I was supposed to go to my first West Virginia football game this year. Dude. I was excited and yeah, going to have to wait another year because I just want to sit in country roads with all those people. All of your – there is no – I will tell you right now, like doing it at a football game after a victory – there is not a feeling that you're going to get anywhere else that is quite like it because no matter who you're with, you can have strangers on either side of you. Everybody's in arms singing Country Roads. It is, it is uh, just phenomenal. Yeah. That just sounds like Nick's heaven right there. It's, <laughs> a, it's wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. It was like I, I was a sports writer for my last two years there, so I was actually in the press box covering the, the games so I didn't get to experience all of that fandom and stuff. But then going back afterwards and getting getting this experience that love was just it's just awesome. So good things will come to you if you wait. It will be it will be worth it. Well, listen, the gambler is almost happy that trip doesn't didn't happen because I've got at least even money odds that Nick just doesn't come back. Like we never <laughs> see him again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, uh, are you like? Yeah, you'll you'll probably just end up in in like a, in a, one of the party houses on Grand Avenue, and you'll probably enroll in the next semester the next day. So like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, exactly yeah. how I foresee it uh, for you too. That's the thing too—a yeah. nail right on the head. If, oh if, yeah, if you, we'll if never you hear want, from them again. <laughs> if you want, wander into to Summit and go to the fifth floor. Take a right. You can see, you can visit my old dorm room. How about that? <laughs> nice. Sounds great. A party. There you go. We carved our names in the closet. I wonder if they're still there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right, guys. So let's get into the Daytona Road Course review. So first off, we had the ARCA Series race. Someone besides Ty Gibbs won. Finally, we had Michael Self holding off Ty Gibbs. Uh, that, that was a great battle there. You know, with the ARCA series, you know, they you only get a couple guys that will finish on the lead lap. Everyone's kind of spread out. But at least it was good to see a battle between probably the two strongest guys in the series with Michael Self and Ty Gibbs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I thought First and foremost, I want to say kudos to the ARCA drivers because they handled that road course very mm-hmm. well, in my opinion. I thought that was going to be a little bit more of a junk fest than it was, and they were very smooth. And if I remember right, like it rained a little bit that night too, so they had to throw yep. the rain tires on. And I thought they handled themselves very well as a whole for the ARCA series. Absolutely. Couldn't, oh, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, I was uh, um, not pleasantly surprised at the battle between those two. Because, I mean, with a, with a small field on a road course with all, like, half the field probably having zero experience, if that, um, we were treated to a surprising and awesome battle between those two. And uh, um, if you've ever, you know, had an experience with Michael Self, he's really easy to oh, root for. Down-to-earth guy. Real easy to root for. Obviously, you guys up there, Venturini Motorsports in the backyard. So yeah. it was, uh, it's, it's cool. I'll, I'll tell you a cool story about uh, those guys. So my friend Kristen um, developed an affinity for the the uh, uh, Sinclair brand, and they had the dino, the little dino plush toys in Victory Lane, and she was like, "Oh man, those are so cool." They sent me one to send to her. Venturini did. Like, that's cool. Oh wow! 
So I will always root for Venturini Motorsports, and I was it was really cool to see Michael Self and and Ty Gibbs have that battle, and then him come out on top. Oh yeah, uh, a couple of years ago when I was at Chicagoland Speedway, I think it was 2018. Uh, the PR rep from uh, Sinclair Dino was just talking about like giving away free stuff, and then I like commented like, "Oh, could I get something?" And they like DM's me. They're like, "Where are you at? We can meet up, and I'll give you a bunch of gear." And they gave me like a little plush dyno. They gave me a lanyard. They gave me a bunch of stickers and stuff. And then I met Michael Self like right before he got into the race car and won the race. So, and he was a really awesome guy. So yeah, I'm rooting for Michael Self every week. He's such a great guy and such a great team too. Great sponsors. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into the Xfinity series. This one was a wild one at the Daytona road course. <laughs> So first off, we had Austin Cindric starting on the pole with the new uh, system that they're using instead of the random drawing. Guys, I'm fine. I'm glad that they are done using this random drawing. Yeah, it was nice to see something different for for once. But uh, yeah, I, I started 23rd in that race, so it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. I just like how we went from a random draw to the MIT grads having to figure yeah, out right. the, the starting grid. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was uh that yeah, that was neat. I was very upset that uh my namesake like lost an axle in that race and finished like in the 30s. So <laughs> poor, poor Brandon Brown, we we love him, we root for him. Um he's also a really good dude and from Virginia, so kudos to him, but uh yeah, the uh, random draw was uh was all right. I didn't I didn't don't have an opinion either way on the random draw or the uh ridiculous algorithm that uh, takes in you know, like your mother's maiden name into consideration when you're, <laughs> you're, you're developing the qualifying format um i just thought i thought the race was good but i'll let you guys go into that first yeah so like i said austin Sindrick, he started on the pole and then noah gregson he took charge he was starting in the second row there and he took the lead and he, you know his first time on this course, so he kind of lost it getting into the oval turn one there, and then Cindric took that lead back. Uh, so yeah, we had some wild racing going on with these young guys over here already. Uh, and then we had a rough start for Collig Racing there. Uh, Chastain and Haley, uh, they missed the chicane, and they had the stop. And then we had a caution on lap three for Chastain, stopping on the track with transmission issues, and Justin Haley jumped that turtle, got into the grass, and just tore up the front end of that race car right there. Those turtles, they're a little dangerous on that track there. Yeah, Ninja Turtle strike again, man. We need Corey LaJoy out there with the paintbrush again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, bad luck for Collig Racing there. And then final lap of stage one. The, the, the worst luck, number eight, Daniel Hamrick. I swear, this guy has the worst <laughs> luck in NASCAR history. He gets spun, gets into the wall, he gets stuck in the grass and ends his day. I will say this. We went up, me and Ian went up to Road America last week, and I, his car literally stopped on the track right in front of us, five laps, or like two laps into and it. And I was just like, you got, you got it. So here's me and Nick sitting on the front stretch, just like watching the cars go by. The, you know, top 10 comes by, and we're like, man, where's Daniel? Here, here he comes at like 20 miles per hour coming up the hill. <laughs> we're just like, oh, no. I go on Twitter. He, you know, he blew up. And Nick's just like, all right, I hate Road America. This is this sucks. 
an oil pan exploded in his car. The odds of that happening are very slim, but it's Daniel Heimrich. It's 2020. I'm not surprised. I'm just glad we made it like eight laps more than we did last time. Still really disappointed to see given his opportunities this year. The kid just can't find any luck at all. Well, which is sad too, because Hemdog's actually a pretty decent road course racer. So you thought, you know, this past weekend would have been a, a pretty decent chance for him too. Yeah. At this point, I'm just like, oh, I'm just not surprised anymore. I kind of <laughs> get to these races like, what's going to go wrong for us today? It was an oil pan last week. What's it going to be today? It's it's so disappointing, though, because he's had some really good runs this year. And just to see luck at, bad luck week in, week out. It, and he's just good. basically mirroring his 2019 season when he was in the Cup Series. Just <laughs> bad luck after bad luck getting stuck in someone else's situation. It just... He, he can't catch a break. It happens. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's mostly disheartening, too, is because he's, so, he's in that seat intermittently. Like, it might be, a, be three races or four races or two races or whatever before he gets into that seat. So this bad luck that he keeps having, he can't get in a rhythm. Like, he can't have a bad race and then jump back in the next week knowing he's going to, to race a really great race or, or come back from it. He might have to wait a month until, until he comes back and gets another chance. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully next time he'll stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, we can hope. It's, for Nick's uh, sake. Yeah, yeah. exactly. For, uh, for Nick's health and sanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I swear it'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I, liter- I literally rooted for Marcus Ambrose for four years, and he only had two chances to win every single year. So whenever he does succeed, which Hemrick will succeed, it'll it, again, it'll be really worth it. It'll like that oh, that yeah. low will the high will be worth the low. Oh yeah, so that, that's how I was. I, I mean, I was a Trevor Bain fan before this. I had four chances a year to. Win. Those were at the restrictor plate races. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, and maybe I, just maybe Michigan. He was really fast there too. Fingers yep. crossed. They didn't give him a a complete rock of a car. He was pretty decent there. <laughs> yeah, but that was my thought for sure too. I was like, that sounds a lot like being a Trevor fan for a couple years there oh, too. Absolutely. I've been down this road before. I'm prepared. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nick enjoys the punishment. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. And then with Austin Sindrick, he went on to win stage one. He's been on fire this year. And then uh, Noah Gregson, he took the lead on the restart. Um, and the 21 of Earl Bammer spins Riley Herbst. Again, another guy that's just either getting caught up in something or he's causing something. Uh, so he gets spun. Uh, so no damage for him. And then moments later, right after that, Noah Gregson's leading. He gets into the grass a little bit, and he just loses control and spins into the safer barrier. Luckily... He he barely had any damage. It was really only cosmetics, so he was able to continue on after that. But I I'm I'm a big Noah Gregson fan, by the way, Brandon. I don't know if you uh, noticed that right here, but uh, they're they're basically best friends. They play video games together and hold hands and everything. It's kind of cute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but but has he given you a 140 mile an hour ride around Chicagoland before? No, but I'm guessing that he gave it to you. I thought I was going to die. 
Oh my god, dude. Were you in the pace car or were you in like one of those Richard Petty experience cars? I, the video is online. I will post the YouTube link. The whole video is online. We put up we put the cameras up in the car and edited a video together because he was giving rides to these winners of this contest. So we we jumped in and did a Facebook live with him, but we had GoPros in there. So I thought he was going to be like, you know, easy on it. No. Uh-huh. He he gets up on the banking, and before we get into turn one, I look down, and he's going 140 miles an hour just about going into turn one with the left front off the ground. <laughs> Holy crap, man. And he's he's doing it with one arm, and you can see my face. Like, there's there's I'm going white, and I like I thought we were going to die. Like, one false move, we're dead. <laughs> in in a stock Toyota Camry pace car. Oh my god, dude! He 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 just doesn't give a damn sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and and he was he was awesome. We we were we had him there for for like an appearance, like as a driver appearance and stuff. And he we he couldn't have been nicer and more awesome and and a, just a good dude. That's why he's my favorite driver because like just all the interactions I've had with him, he remembers me every time I see him. He's he's just such a great guy. Yep, like I was at the the media day in Chicago where the the drivers do all their liners. Like, hi, I'm Noah Gregson. Come visit me at the blah, 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 blah race. Um, And he was like eating lunch. And I was just walking by. You know, I didn't want to bother him or anything. And I was just like, what's up, man? Like, because he literally stopped, got up, and came over, shook my hand. and was like, hey, man, how you doing? Like, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Like, I was like, attaboy. Like, you were, I like you. You're a good guy. Yeah. yeah right yeah he's not one of those drivers just like kind of you know brush you off you know give you the one second like me and nick we were talking we've we saw noah at road america he was like just getting into the port of i'm like wow what luck and then he comes out and he talks to us for about like 10 15 minutes and it was yeah. we were just you know shooting the crap yeah ian has a, a very very good way of finding that with noah seems like every time he goes to racetrack he comes and chills with ian for a good 10 15 minutes or has some kind of cool encounter with noah g i mean i think nick still he takes the cake with the best nascar driver encounter that we've ever had oh yeah so i I don't know if you know the story of what happened uh last year with old old mr daniel hammer paying us a visit at our campsite i remember (laughs) i saw it on social media did you see the video of Jim falling off the ladder? I did not see that video, but I did see Hemrick visiting your campsite. It was so cool. Yeah, well, we were getting the flag down. My dad was getting the flag down. He was on the ladder, and Hemrick was just like, dude, it's okay. If you can't get it, it's all right, man. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. As soon as he grabs it, he just flies off the thing, bangs his head <laughs> on the ground. Hemrick's literally just, he's just standing there, and he's just like, oh, come on, man. Like, I got a lot coming my way or something. No. Yeah. Ian's right. That was still probably, with all the cool Trevor experiences that I've had, that was probably one of the other coolest ones that I've had. It was so awesome. Oh, yeah. Made me a fan of Daniel Hemrick. <laughs> Absolutely. It didn't show up with a PR guy. It was just him and his dog on a golf cart. That's what threw me off. I thought it was someone coming to like collect garbage or something, and then I was—I got a close <laughs> look at him, and I was like, "Oh, hold on, hold on a minute." And then I say, "Daniel Hemrick, what the hell are you doing here?" That's, <laughs> That's how he greeted him. That's Love how it. I greeted him. Atta boy. I was just in such awe and excitement, 
And he's like, you're the kid with the flag, right? And I was like, holy crap, man. Because I had just met him. Uh, him and Paul Menard were grilling cheeseburgers at at the stage for like the fan, for the uh, season ticket holder party. So I had just met him there. And then I was just back and yep, there he was. Uh, that was, that was right That's there. awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was such a cool experience. Absolutely. All right, so back into it on lap twenty, we had Josh Williams. He uh, he went bowling at the goal bowling, and uh, he took out the goal bowling signs there. Unfortunately, he didn't get a strike. He only got two out of three signs there. Yeah, still some fantastic and really you know fortunate sponsor exposure for the go bowling folks. That uh, they, they got to make like little cardboard cutout bowling pins. Well, I know their social media guy. Uh, I got to send him a message and be like, "Look, here's what you do. You got to use this. This is perfect." Yeah, that that played perfectly into their hands. That's going to be a meme and a gift for the next ten years. I don't know if you you saw it, but people put the Wee Bowling like strikes <laughs> yes. over top of it. I saw uh, that. That was really great. funny. <laughs> And guys, with this race, we had some wild restarts. Sometimes we had guys going four wide, uh, and it didn't really end well for Kyle Weatherman. He went wide. He almost got into the wall there. But, yeah, we got guys going three, four wide into turn one on these restarts. It's just absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, coming out of those final restarts where literally the whole field missed turn one. It was insanity right there. Yep, and then all hell broke loose after that with uh, Briscoe, Herps, and Portis getting taken out there. Uh, heavy damage for uh, Chase Briscoe there. We know that he's a really good road course racer, so sucks to see him go out. I think with the uh, the Harmon cars staying out the way that they did, I, I as, as, a, as a fan, I really disagreed with that. Yeah. But it also took out Briscoe and deprived us of what I think was going to be a hell of a good finish between Briscoe and Austin Sendrick. Because, because that bat, the battle and then the water bottle throw, and if those two were <laughs> together, even, even though they're Fords and they're both buddies, that was going to be a hell of a battle at the end of the race, I feel sure it was. Oh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they had a hell of a battle at the end of stage two there, beating and banging, and then Briscoe holding them off to win stage two. That, that was nutty right there. That was great. Yep, I think that could have been the finish that we would have seen, but uh, nobody, even even AJ, um, Penske Power and Cindric's talent, um, the only person that was going to do anything with him that day was uh, was Briscoe. So I was kind of sorry we didn't get to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and then we had uh, three to go on uh, Almondinger. He kind of wheeled hop going into uh, the oval turn one there, and he spun Justin Allgaier. Uh, and Justin Allgaier, he wasn't very uh, happy with the dinger after that one. The dinger guy. was trying to apologize, saying that, you know, that I made a mistake. And Allgaier mm-hmm. was just like, you know, you did this to me. And it, yeah, it yeah. all happened on these crazy courses. NBC yeah. did a great job having the camera guys right there. And we were able to hear all of that. I thought yep. just the, the little guys were feisty with each other. <laughs> I thought we yeah, were they... fight right there, but oof, that was awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I really, uh, um, I think, I think a lot of Justin's frustration has to do with the fact that he's been dumped and wrecked and had bad luck all year long, like, um, and just that was kind of a microcosm of of what he's faced all like the entire year. So, yeah, what 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 was 
he was going to say to AJ, you, like, you dumped me. And AJ was like, yes, I did. Like, you, like that, that had to be, like, even more frustrating for him to not come back at him and be like, yes, I absolutely did. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you dumped me. <laughs> well, the thing that I thought was the most, the funniest part of it was typical Justin Allgaier fashion. He was so mad and somehow yeah. still came off so polite, like, being angry and yelling at him, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the guy. Like, I, I don't know if I have a... a a person that I've had better interactions with than, than Justin, obviously being from Springfield, he did all of our Xfinity series driver appearances at Chicagoland. So he, we went to the fair with him. We went to the, um, you know, did a STEM program at a, at a school with Justin. I got to be in, in one of his pit crew fire suits, like as they showed how, you know, obviously not to be a pit crew member because I wouldn't be, <laughs> but he is, uh, he is the the nicest driver, and I've met a ton of nice drivers, and this is no disrespect to anybody that I've met, but he is by far the nicest driver that I have met um, and had a one-on-one experiences with. I don't have any any more favorite person than Justin Allgaier, so I really didn't think that he was going to whip A.J. Allmendinger's ass there. He's too nice to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, guys, surprise, surprise. Austin Sendrick does it again. He wins at the Daytona Road Course. This guy is just on fire this year. You know, last year we were like, okay, maybe he can only win on road courses. And then he wins back-to-back on the Oval. He is dominating now. Me and Nick, we saw him win at Road America last week, and now he wins at the Daytona Road Course. Is is he the championship favorite? Is he, you know, outshining Briscoe right now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last six races, Austin Sendricks has turned, put the Xfinity Series on easy mode for him. He's won, what, five out of the last six races. Sendrick is consistent, and now that he's got those oval wins, he's got those road course wins, I think you have to put him as a championship favorite. He's just consistent week in, week out. He's always up there leading laps. So I'd say absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that, you know, he, he's definitely part of the championship picture. Again, I just feel like with the way the championship and the playoff format works in NASCAR now, it's so hard to say, oh, this guy's the championship favorite. Because, you know, once we get into the playoff format, so much can change, so much can happen. Um, I think it will come down to some variation of Cindric, Briscoe, um, and then after that, maybe Noah and a couple other guys are kind of fighting for those last two spots. But uh, I think those two probably will be etched in stone. But, again, with the playoffs, you, you just never really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Especially with the – I was trying to look at who was, who was good at Phoenix because you're, you can't be a championship favorite unless you're good at Phoenix. You can be a championship four favorite, but if you are amazing all year long, but Phoenix is literally your worst track and you suck there and you cannot get it done, you're not going to win the championship. Like, like you're going to have to have some major league good luck to, to win the championship. And just looking at last, uh, um, the last race at Phoenix, uh, Briscoe finished sixth, Gregson finished seventh, Cindric finished eighth, and then you've got like Justin Haley and Harrison Burton and Brandon Jones who outfinished them. So, if you look at if if the Gibbs guys make it into the championship four, if two of them, one of them, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it hard pressed to say that they're not going to put the resources behind that Gibbs car to make it just as fast as the Fords and, and go full bore on it. So I would think that, uh, I would think that Cindric and Chase Briscoe definitely are going to make the championship for without a doubt. Um, but, uh, we'll see who, uh, who reigns supreme at Phoenix. 
And then, like, we talked about it. Uh, we don't know how the playoffs go. We know Justin Allgaier is a guy who's struggling right now. He mm-hmm. turns it on playoffs. We go to Phoenix. Uh-huh. Last win coming at Phoenix. You yeah. just never yep. yeah. yeah, we know he does well there. He really does well there. He's got a couple wins there. So, yeah, you just don't know. He turns it on. He could be right there. He could be almost a favorite at that point because yeah. he's very, very good there. Absolutely. And you, and you look at the – you look at the races leading into leading into Phoenix. You got Kansas, you got Texas, you got Martinsville. Justin's always good. Justin got to win it at the Chicago. Chicago is nearly exactly like Kansas. Um, if he's in a points position to where he can he can be in that fight, he he could snooker everybody at the championship race at Phoenix, no doubt. And I wouldn't be mad about it. Oh, I don't, I wouldn't be mad either. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. No, we need a we need a champion from Illinois. Yeah, and Justin has worked so hard and has been so close. And I mean, like he's a you know he's one of the elder statesmen in the series. He's he's my age, and I feel old as hell. So, um, <laughs> so um, I, I hope he can get it done. And I re- really feel like he's just gotten such poor luck this year, and 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 should be a whole lot higher in the point standings. Oh yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, guys, so let's get into the Truck Series race on the Daytona Road Course. We had Zane Smith starting on the pole, uh, but it didn't last long for him going into turn one. He went way too hard into the turn, and he missed it, and he went way too wide and went into the grass. So, you know, he's been on a run lately. He got that win earlier, but, uh, yeah, not a good start for him at the Daytona Road Course going hard into that turn. He got that one in Michigan. He was just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to send it, man. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. He, he sent it into turn one at Daytona as, as hard as he sent it in, in against the 18 truck on the final lap there <laughs> the week prior. It, it, it worked out very differently for him. But, but as, as you've seen, like uh, um, a, a move like that, if you've got a really good car or truck in this instance, like you could make that up. But he never was able to make up for that mistake throughout the rest of the day. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah, he seemed to be struggling after that. Um, Brett Moffitt, he went on to win stage one. And then we had Sheldon Creed. He went on to win stage two. And then he went on to win the race. Got out of that car, and he just had that beautiful head of hair, that beautiful mullet. And he said, man, nah, we're just tearing shit offensive. up out here. Okay, I find that <laughs> offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, honestly, first time I met you, man, I was like, what? Like, when you took the hat off, I was like, what? I was not excited. I know. I got got hair everywhere else, and in places I would prefer not to be, but it's not there. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. Like, like I I had not – I guess I haven't been paying attention to post-race interviews or pre-race interviews or anything. I talked to Sheldon when he won the ARCA championship at Kansas – and had not seen his hair like that yet, and it is luxurious. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I wasn't really expecting the mullet because I think last time that when he won the uh, rain-shortened race, uh, where was that at? Was that Poc- – no, not Pocono. Was it? Where did he win for his first time? Was it, uh, Kentucky, wasn't it? Kentucky, yeah. that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I don't even think he had that – Full head of hair mullet going on there. But, yeah, good for him getting his second win. Uh, 
I, I kind of saw this coming that he was going to blow up this uh, this year. Last season, you know, he wasn't really uh, there, but you know, he he was always getting you know top tens, top fives, but now he's actually competing for wins, and he's he's looking very strong going in late into the season. Absolutely for GMS too. I mean, Brett Moffat zero wins on the season. Sheldon Creed's got two of them. I if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would thought you're crazy. No, I think uh, I think if that was any other truck um, in any other race, Moffat would have used the chrome horn. Not saying he'd wreck anybody, but he would have been a lot rougher with anybody else uh, than his teammate. I think Moffat knows that he's uh, he's secure in the in the playoff standings. He's he's going to make it, save for some really weird instance. Um, but I was hoping that they would make a, just a little bit of rubbing there at the end. But he raced him really clean. I think any other person, he would have been able to get around him. But uh, great, like great finish, great, great, entertaining race all the way through with uh, with a lot of action. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the trucks do that almost weekend in and weekend out. You know, when you see the trucks out there, it's going to be a crazy, entertaining race. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is another weekend where that proves true. So, uh, and you look at the trucks, man. There's there's a lot of different scenarios where different guys play out as champions as we're kind of getting close to playoffs. To me, it's not as apparent in the, the trucks as oh, it's going to be this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and that's that's our four. I don't I don't really I don't really see it that way. I feel like it's a lot more wide open than it has been in other years. I mean, who would have thought that Matt Crafton would have won the championship last year? Absolutely, that was you know in a system that's designed mm-hmm. for people to win. And your your biggest way of getting ahead is winning. Uh, the guy that was the most consistent to win the championship in a lot of ways for me was like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it, yeah uh, no. he 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 played the system perfectly. Um, it wasn't exact. It wasn't what NASCAR had intended to have happen, but he did exactly what he had to do to win the championship, and he got it done. And he should apologize to no one. Exactly. And I just like too, Brandon, you'll relate to this. It reminded me a little more of the older point system. You know, yeah. there's a guy, it rewarded a guy that was consistent. You know, a uh-huh. lot of times this this point series, especially the playoffs, you know, with the win and you're in, uh, guys that would be 85 points out of the championship are all of a sudden moving in around ahead of people that they really wouldn't be. Sure. And we can argue the entertainment value and all that around it, but it was for me at least very refreshing to see somebody who just ran super consistent all year. Maybe didn't have a win on the season, mm-hmm. but ran super consistent and got the title. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, it was. Uh, I would have liked like I Matt Crafton seems like a good dude. I would have loved to seen him win that race and that to be capped off. Like I didn't win all year long and suck on this, guys. I won this <laughs> race, but. <laughs> um yeah but it was it was cool to see the consistency i i liked uh, of course i grew up on the old points format and uh and it, yeah to echo what you said it was it was cool to see somebody rewarded for the consistency all all season long oh yeah oh yeah you love to see it all right guys so now let's get into the cup series race at the daytona road course that was on sunday so we had Kevin Harvick starting on the pull with the crazy algorithm that they got going on here. Uh, and we had Chase Elliott stay out. He didn't pit. Uh, he went on to stay, win stage one with some strategy. That was his sixth stage win of 2020 for the nine. Uh, so, yeah, he's building up some great playoff points heading in. You know, we only got 
three races left, and he's sitting pretty comfortably with all those playoff points that he has. Which is kind of funny that we're having that conversation this weekend because we're a week removed from people asking, you know, kind of what's wrong with the nine, you know, is something broken over there? Um, obviously, I don't think he'd been really running that poorly to, to merit that kind of questioning, but the questioning was out there, and then Chase, you know, directly had to answer it. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing something about it on his socials where they were asking him, he's like, yeah, nothing's really wrong. I just feel like, you know, we're kind of, I forget how we word it, but it was basically something along as like, they're, you know, they kind of are a little dead right now, maybe need to pick me up. And uh, I would say they definitely got it this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, really, really kind of a shot in the arm for that nine team. Driver's not broken, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Three road course wins in a row for Chase Elliott. Uh, proved to be absolute master at the, the oval road course hybrids uh, so far. Um, no reason to think that he won't be the favorite at the Roval. But, uh, well, again, I think we were deprived, uh, and not to get too far in, but we were to, deprived of a great bat, we had a great battle at the end, but a really great battle by a driver messing up in the middle of the race. But we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then Denny Hamlin, he went on to win stage two of the race, and then lap thirty-three. Uh, Kevin Harvick, I'm a big Kevin Harvick fan too, and this scared the crap out of me. Kevin Harvick, he got punted by Christopher <laughs> Bell. Harvick spins through yeah, the grass, he and he's facing the field. Like, he's facing backwards to the field, and they're, they're basically using him as the choose cone yeah. around the road <laughs> course. And, like, when Reddick pulled up to him, I was just crapping my pants. I, I thought it was all over for him. But, right, he's hey, just kind of sitting there like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, please don't yeah. hit me, please. Did, did you see his his in-car of his eyes? When they showed the in-car camera, like, I was looking right at his eyes, and he was like, mirror, 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 oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and the he, worst yeah. situation you could be put into. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, you know, Kevin's been around for so long. There's probably not a, uh, many a scenario in a race car that he hasn't seen before. But the look on his face, that sheer terror is like, oh, never been here before. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> But again, you you got forty of thirty nine this past week of uh, the best stock car drivers out there. They all missed him. He spun around and went on his merry way, only to mess up a bunch the rest of the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't really have a good race. I mean, he ended up finishing what seventeenth, I think, better than thirty fourth from where he was sitting most of the race. But sure, yeah, he, he was able to rebound a little bit. How about uh, we talked about how great that car looked? Oh, oh yeah, it's a wonderful looking car. You know, with all these special Bush schemes that he's had, I'm surprised he didn't win that race just for default of having that paint scheme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they had a paint scheme championship, he'd be the four, uh, the you know, the front runner right now, hands down. His schemes are awesome, racing and race out anymore. I I tweeted I tweeted a few weeks ago uh, that in terms of sponsor engagement. You know, Bush Beer is all in on their their partnership with Kevin Harvick. Like something that you don't necessarily see a whole bunch in NASCAR anymore. Um, but th- with the pet special paint schemes, with the Twitter account who's very active around the races and talking to the NASCAR fans and stuff, yep. with contests that they do, the 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 um, the hashtag contests that they run, Bush Beer, I will I if if I'm at the store and I have an option 
I am buying Bush beer just because they support Kevin Harvick in that way. Well, I'm surprised you're not drinking Miller for your boy Rusty. You, if you want to, if you want to know a secret, uh, Miller has never been my beer of choice when it comes to light domestic beers. Um, maybe uh, I, I don't. Let's put it this way: whenever I was a fan of Rusty, I wasn't um, able to drink legally, so I get to abstain from all of that. <laughs> all right, all right, I understand that. I feel you, bud. But I, hey, I will confirm um, what you said to a T, though, Brandon. Um, Any time that the race is on, especially with how amazing Bush Beer has been in NASCAR, yep. uh, pretty pretty easy to find a 30 rack near where we're watching the race. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, why, and why not crack open a latte or two? Uh, Nick, you can do it legally in a week or so um because <laughs> because they do that and 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 that's just, that's what that's what NASCAR sponsorship is all about and I hope we get a lot of a lot more fan facing type brands that that do that too which which is what what the sport really needs I mean peak, peak auto about? is helping people with those 10,000 retweets yeah I well, actually speaking, was uh, it Raja part of that too yeah yeah he, he was like he was like uh you know how much for you to sponsor me so I gave him a retweet why not yeah exactly yes yeah, yeah. i mean see if peak actually lives up to it yeah because they're promising a too. lot of stuff to a lot of people <laughs> and i don't know if they're gonna yeah. keep those yeah, but no, no one's gonna get all those ten thousand retweets they, they got a little crazy with it because there is one of our guys who we're in a group chat with he i don't know he did this as a joke but he he tweeted at peak on he's like how much? How many retweets for a free bag of like crispy M and M's or something like that? And they said ten thousand plus. Tell your friends to go and it's like, all right, ten thousand retweets for a three dollar bag of M and M's. They were just yeah. having fun with it. That, that was I, I hope I hope they've got an Excel spreadsheet to to organize all these asks. <laughs> yeah. When they when they come to fruition, the worst PR they could have is not fulfilling the right. the one that. Uh, that that would be the most important. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, when yeah, this and that's is all our buddy said and done. That's gonna look like the nice list at Christmas time for Santa with the way they're going right now too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great yeah. great social media coming from somebody who did social for a while. Um, that's a great strategy because you get you get you're gaining followers of people who probably don't care too much about antifreeze, <laughs> but you get your product exactly. in front of in front of those people and 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 just like the bush beer antifreeze is something that you don't buy or peak products in general or something that you don't buy every day so when you go to the auto parts store and you're like making a choice between this one this one or this one you're picking peak every time just because they talk to you once on twitter yeah exactly like uh i just got a new house we just moved in we're gonna you know be going to the hardware store pretty soon i had my choices between Lowe's, Home Depot, and Menards. I'm going to Menards because they're still with NASCAR. <laughs> Save big Ryan money, Blaney fan who approves that message. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, Bush Beer and Stewart House Racing, they've been making some beautiful paint schemes, but they are killing my bank account because I'm ordering every one of those die casts. <laughs> yeah, they're killing me with it, but they're just they've done a great job with those paint schemes, especially that Bushlight Apple paint scheme. That's probably the best one of the year. Oh yeah, yeah. But you guys are right. Uh, Bush has been the epitome of what you would want a sponsor to be for our sport, and the the way that they represent 
not only NASCAR, but NASCAR fans just, it's incredible to see. And uh, yeah, they do a great job. And like you said, Brain, I love to see more people, you know, fall in line with what they're doing and more sponsors. And you're starting to see an influx of new sponsors again. Um, hoping some people see the the model over at Bush and kind of, you know, jump in line with what they've been doing. Sure. Yeah, we've had a lot of sponsors jumping into NASCAR lately. Uh, you know, Bubba Wallace, he's just got, you know, like two, three new sponsors. He's got Col- yep. yeah, yes, three. Sir. Yeah, with Columbia, he's got DoorDash, and what's the – it's that Cash underwear. Up. Yeah, right? Cash App, and then he just did today. He's got his own line of underwear with the company. The name <laughs> is escaping me off the top of my head, but uh, there was some confusion because one of the uh, – one of the pairs look kind of similar to his warthog scheme, even though I don't think that's what it, the uh, intended effect was supposed to be. How did I miss this today? Let's see. I'll yeah, I mean, it. I mean, if I'm always on Twitter, why am I not? Why did I not see Bubba Wallace's underwear? I full on was expecting you to fact check me right then, but like, it's the, this is the name of the company. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I apparently whiffed completely on Bubba Wallace's underwear. Uh, da, 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 where is it? Not a lot of things people look out for is Bubba Wallace's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on his Twitter now all of a sudden. He took maybe off they, his, he took Maybe off they underwear. dropped them already. Oh, hey <laughs> <laughs> They're on the shade. Let's see. Here it is. It's on his Instagram. Uh, PSD Underwear is the name of the company. <laughs> all right. Well, all, all right. right. All right. Go back. Check, check the quality on that and pick me up a pair. See what they're all about. There you go. I want to get some 43 special underwear. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll get that. It's just not my waist size quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm, if I'm getting the 43 special waist size, I really need to go to the gym more often. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. hey, listen, my dad's a big old boy, and he ain't even in a 43 yet, so that's saying something. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's get back into it. Uh, the bad luck continues for Rowdy Bush. 17 to go on the race. Kyle Bush experiences a brake rotor issue. He's got to pull in the garage, get that fixed on. Comes back out onto the track, but then with six to go, ends up destroying his tire. He ends up spinning, and then he's he's done for the day. He's pissed off. I, I, I'm pretty sure when I saw him, when his tire blew up, I saw his eyes. He just rolled his eyes because he it's 2020 for him. It's just mm-hmm. the worst season. I can't wait to talk about this in our next segment, the Kinsel's Classroom, because I'm sure Mr. Old Rowdy Bush is going to have to come to school and stay after for that one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Join yeah. the the breakfast club again, huh? Breakfast club again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, terrible luck for Kyle Busch this year. Honestly, who would have thought that the 2019 champ would have just gone com- winless this year? Nobody, uh, nobody would have thought of it. Um, nobody would have thought that that would have happened. And uh, it's it's been a mixture of bad luck while running well and just simply running poorly. Um, you know, he might not have bad luck at a race but they just run like mid mid 10 you know eighth to 10th to 15th um it's surprising but if you remember last year he didn't run that well throughout the middle part of the year either and he won he won one race the one race that mattered and he won the championship so um i i don't uh i'm not concerned about them because whenever they get one they're gonna get several i think yeah 
Exactly. Once yep. he gets the taste of that, it's over. And uh, yep. yeah, you know, just like you said, they're a team they can strike at any time. Just because they're not going well now, uh, again, the playoffs change everything. He he gets hot at the right time. Yep. The next thing you know, it's like, oh hey, Kyle's mm-hmm. back in the championship four. Yep. Who would have thunk it? And uh, yep. you know, maybe maybe some things change as we get deeper in. Um, we've heard Adam Stevens interviews kind of talk about you know the lack of practice could be hurting them as well. He, you know, he said he's more hands-on and not being able to uh, work on the car after having practice and stuff could be something that's hurting them. So maybe something like that changes. I don't foresee it, but um, who knows? You know, we're, we're in an ever-evolving uh, world right now with the, the COVID-19 pandemic, so we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's Kyle Busch. He can win yep. one race and then turn it on and win three more in a row. And that's what we try to tell our buddy Dalton – who is probably the biggest Kyle Bush fan in the world. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you've seen this guy on Twitter, Dalton Rowdy Bush. Uh, He's the craziest Kyle Bush fan you'll ever see. He absolutely hates Joey Logano. He goes <laughs> after Dale Jr. fans. He he's got like th- he's got like 1500 followers on Twitter and he's just blowing up because he's just a wild crazy Kyle Bush fan and we're, he's our buddy. We try to tell him like, oh, you know, it's Kyle Busch. He's gonna, he's gonna win. He's gonna, you know, you know, win three more in a row or something, and win the championship. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh no, screw you guys. Like it's <laughs> 2020 and being all negative. So we're done with him. We're yeah. like, yeah, man, maybe he should retire. Yeah, we but should. so getting back in that, you know, I, I don't think uh, um, there are many, if any, drivers in the field in the Cup Series who have more talent than Kyle Busch. Guess what they did this year at Dover? They gave them the low downforce package. Guess what the low downforce package does? Puts more in the hands and the feet of the driver. Um, I think you'll see with the double header, I'm going to call it right now, Kyle Busch will run well in the first race, and I think he wins the second race at Dover and goes on to wonderful things for that team the rest of the season. I called my shot. Kyle Busch again. And guess what? I'm going to be completely wrong about that. But the, on the off chance that I'm right, I'm going to I'm going to save this clip and just play it over and over again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's uh, one right. of those, uh, to use a baseball analogy, uh, swing hard just in case you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, guys, we had cautions and cautions, but then we had a final restart with three to go. And these restarts were wild. The long green flag racing – it was a little spread apart. We had guys that, you know, were eight seconds ahead of second place. Wasn't really what we kind of expected with, you know, how spread out it was. But at the end, we had a good battle with Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. And Chase Elliott was able to hold off the 11 and win on the Daytona road course for his third uh, road course win in a row. So good for Chase. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like we were kind of talking about earlier, he was easily the car to beat. Um, easily the the road course talent that young man possesses and the the hybrids between our rovals and road road slash oval combinations and just our irregular road courses he's been the class of the field now so to see him win was a good look but equally a poor look in my opinion I really didn't care for NBC kind of cutting right out into the evening news I don't know if that happened out by you, uh, Brandon, but you know, once that race ended, we didn't see anything. And I understand, you know, the race went a little long with the lightning delay and everything, but to, you know, NASCAR is reigning most popular driver to be doing burnouts and, you know, getting a victory lane interview and everything. And we don't really get to see any of it. Um, I thought 
was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah, you can't really say anything other than that, that it was a, a missed opportunity on on NBC's part. I think they should have put that on the app, if anything. I know they had the, they had the news that they had to get to. Um, I remember that happening so frequently when I was a kid. I think like our generation now is is very blessed and very uh, um, I would say fortunate that they that we have all of these avenues that we get to see stuff. I remember races when I was a kid. Rusty won, and they cut away to some basketball game before the victory lane. This is before they did the burnouts and stuff. So it was definitely a missed opportunity with them. I think they're going to learn from that, and if they have to do that, because what I did, I switched from from normal NBC to NBCSN, and they had a hockey game on. And then I went, and then I went to the app, and it, it wasn't on the app. So hopefully, in the future, they're going to learn from that from that missed opportunity. Put it on the app, so we can we don't have to wait to see it on social media later. I say that because uh, we were we were waiting like three minutes to see it on on NASCAR's social feed. So uh, I I remember when I was a kid not getting able to being able to see things for like the next week or so. So. But in the time that we live in, I think that uh, I think that we have the opportunity to see that stuff. We expect to see that stuff, so we need to see that stuff. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah, and you know we we missed a lot of other things that happened too, not just Victory Lane. You know, mm. me being a, a Bubba Wallace fan as well. Obviously, he had a little little incident with uh, the twenty two and the eighty eight that you had yep. to do a little social media digging to find out even what the heck happened. Uh, so yeah, just a couple little things like that, that, you know, you really kind of lost some of the experience of the race, but like you said, I think they'll learn from it. NBC's yep. got a lot of people in that organization that are much smarter than I, so they'll, they'll figure it out and they'll figure out a way to get the fans what they want. Sure. And I think, I think too, you, you've got the sports biggest advocate working for them in the booth and Dale Jr. Mm-hmm. Dale Jr. Um, whether it's the production value or what he brings to, uh, brings to the broadcast, He's going to see that, and he's going to have a pragmatic uh, um, way of looking at it. He might even address it on the podcast coming up this week. Um, but you can bet that he's going to have an influence, in it, and it will be better because of what just happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So I think that will do it for our race review here. You guys got anything else to add about the Daytona road course? I yeah, say- I forgot to talk about Truex. Yeah, <laughs> I alluded to alluded to it just a second ago, but but Truex had the mid race speeding penalty on pit road where he had to you know the pits were closed, he couldn't do a pass through, he had to serve the penalty under caution, and then spend the entire last stage of the race going from last to third place. And just like the Xfinity Series race, if he didn't make that mistake, I think we would have been privy to a a great battle for the win and I think based on the speed of his car he probably would have beaten Chase Elliott not to take anything away from Chase but I think Truex who is probably the the one at 1A and 1B in terms of road course racers in the Cup Series today I think he'd have won a race I wholeheartedly agree yeah. I think it would have been a hell of a battle there yeah, yeah, I will say this. If there was one more lap in that race, I think Denny Hamlin is turning Chase Elliott going down in a turn one. They crossed oh, yeah. the was right on that back bumper. <laughs> the way Denny Hamlin is, uh, he's made me a lot of money this year. We have a little bet group going on with Ian's family. He won't talk, he won't talk about drinking, but he'll talk about illegal gambling. 
think it, I think it's fine. I think it's legal as long as it's under a certain amount. I mean, if you're not betting thousands of, you might be betting thousands five of dollars. Bucks. Who knows? Yeah. It's five bucks a race. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. The, the feds aren't coming after you. I swear. Dan was my driver for this year, and he has won me a lot of money. So, but yeah, I think I got more money than you. I got Harv. Yeah. One more, <laughs> one more lap, and I think Denny is putting the bump putting the bumper to chase Elliott right there. That would have that would have been something right there. Well, but yeah. yeah. But you you know remember what, Martinsville a few years ago. Yep. And I was yep. just gonna say, thank God for all of our Twitter sanity that that didn't happen because <laughs> Chase Elliott Nation would have burnt Twitter down to the ground. Um, just think, just think if that would have happened, and then they cut away from that broadcast. Oh, oh, oh. I would have yeah. been on board, man. That would have been some excitement. <laughs> you talk, you talk about a Twitter meltdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the world ending right there for NASCAR fans. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> All right, guys. So that will do it for our Daytona Road Course review. Brandon, thank you for joining us, guys. You can follow Brandon on social media platforms on Twitter, on Instagram. Make sure to follow Richmond Raceway. Follow Richmond Raceway Esports. They need the support. They're they are fast this year in the Coca-Cola iRacing series. So make sure to give them a follow. And make sure to follow me, Nick, and Mike on all social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow the Stock Car Spectacle on Twitter and Instagram as well for more content. Make sure to follow our good buddy Patrick Cotto with the Cotto's Mojo podcast. It's a great Chicagoland-based sports podcast. And make sure to follow our friends at Ashland Heddens Racing. They had a rough week last week with the power going out. They did not get power back in the shop for six days. So hopefully they're going back racing this weekend at Grundy County Grundy County Speedway. Excuse me. So good luck to them. So for the stock car spectacle, I'm Ian Jortson. I'm Mike Gamble. And I'm Nick Kinsel. <laughs>